Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business. Only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the breakfast show. We are talking about EVs, and it is a busy space. China's electric vehicle market boasts around 500 electric car manufacturers, thanks in part to the government's focus on homegrown innovation under the Made in China 2025 plan. Local brands like BYD, Neo, Xpeng, and Li Auto are gaining ground. In the final quarter of last year, BYD even overtook Tesla to become the world's biggest electric car company. Selling a record number of cars in 2023, and this surge in success has put European and American automakers on the back foot. How have China's car companies built such a wide lead in the race to make EVs, and how can European and American car makers close the gap? To shed more light on all of that, we are joined on the line from the USA by someone who is an investor and consultant with deep expertise in global EVs, batteries, and supply chains. He's also the author of American Wheels: Chinese Roads, and has lived in Asia for 25 years, including in China. Let's welcome Michael Dunn, CEO of Dunn Insights. Michael, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Great having you on, Michael. So let's get into it. How would you describe the distance between some of the top Chinese electric car brands and the leading European ones in the electric vehicle marathon? Well, you know, China is the new sheriff in town. China last year built more electric vehicles than all other countries in the world combined. So, sixty percent of all vehicles built were built in China and sold in China. They're number one now. But importantly, we have a saying here in Silicon Valley that the future is already here. It's just Unevenly distributed, and today, if we look across the world, in China, one third of new vehicle sales are electrics. The infrastructure is there, the products are there. They have them at all price points. But if you come across the Pacific to the United States, only seven, eight percent of vehicles are electric, and then Europe's in between at about fifteen percent. So the number one thing to understand about electrics and the age of electrics is it's highly uneven that distribution. So that's number one. Second one is well, closely to your question. How did China get such a big lead? Well, ten years ago, 2014, as you know, Xi Jinping and his lieutenants gathered in Beidaihe and, and put together a blueprint for supremacy in future technologies, things like AI and advanced manufacturing, robotics, including electric vehicles and battery and battery supply chains. And during the past ten years, they poured tens of billions, some estimate hundreds of billions of dollars, to build out that capability. All the way through COVID, and on the other side of COVID, when China reappeared to the world, my goodness, the rest of the industry was in shock. They found a industry in China totally transformed with really high-quality vehicles at low cost, driven by batteries that were among the best in the world. So it's sort of an awakening moment, a Sputnik II moment for people、mm. in the West. My goodness, we never imagined the Chinese could be this good this quickly. Yeah, Michael. Let's unpack that a bit. So it is quite a competitive space. Everyone's trying to get a slice of the action. So what are Chinese EV makers doing right? It's one thing to have a plan and one thing to execute it. So what are some of the factors contributing to the current leadership among the Chinese EV makers? Yes. So number one, let's take the leader in China. That's BYD, which dominates the local market and was the number one best-selling brand overall in China. What did they do right? As many people know, BYD began as a battery company in 1995. 
And in the last 10 years in particular, they've really been aggressively building out their supply chain so that they're highly vertically integrated. They have interest in the mines. They do their own mineral processing. Mm. They manufacture their own cells. They do their own packs. Up and down the supply chain, they own it. And that's very different for the auto industry, which has been used to finding suppliers in tier one, tier two, and tier three levels. So by doing vertical integration, BYD and other Chinese automakers have significantly driven down costs and gotten really good at innovating that supply chain that they control. That's one. Second is there are considerable incentives and rebates and subsidies at the national level, at the provincial level, and at the city level. For example, BYD's hometown of Shenzhen, it's widely known that there's a mandate. You can have any taxi on the road you want as long as there's BYD. You can ride in any bus you'd like as long as there's BYD and electric. So there are definitely support mechanisms from the government to make Chinese manufacturers more competitive. Those two realities are what separates the Chinese automakers from everyone else right now. All right, definitely some fundamentals helping to support the Chinese side of the equation. When it comes to the experience that drivers have, do they have a big difference in terms of the features, what's inside the cars? Right. So one of the things that's new to Chinese automakers is at the same time that Made in China 2025 plan was being put together, the government made a big decision to invite tech companies into the space for the first time. Up until then, the auto industry within China was protected and state enterprises owned that space. But after having invited the tech companies in, all of a sudden you see companies like Neo, Xpeng, and Li Auto. These are founders of billionaire founders of tech companies who know software moving into the auto industry and infusing China's business, they they were like Elon Musk. They didn't know cars. They didn't do cars, but they knew software and technology. And they've infused China's auto industry with all kinds of innovation and new life. That's a real differentiator uh, for customers. Okay, so a bit of an ecosystem play here, integrating software into your hardware to make it a more holistic experience. So on that point, where does Tesla stand in comparison to some of these Chinese EV makers? Tesla is still number one globally because it's so good on so many different fronts. For example, they are the king still of developing what is known now as a software-defined vehicle. Instead of beginning with the hardware and putting software on top, Tesla was the first to say, we're going to design it from the software first and add the hardware around it. So they're the best at designing a software-defined vehicle. They also have massive supercharger networks on all continents, Europe, China, the United States is one of the reasons why the Model Y from Tesla was last year's best-selling car globally. Now imagine that electric car from Tesla, one car outselling everyone else in terms of it's become immensely popular. A third way in which Tesla's better than the others is they've been improving on their autopilot system for years. That's that self-driving feature. I'm driving it right now, in fact, along the highway in San Diego. I've got the autopilot on and it basically does the job for me. So in many ways, Tesla is still number one in the Chinese makers. Their advantage mainly is cost and they're catching up to Tesla when it comes to technology. We're in conversation with Michael Dunn. He is the CEO of Dunn Insights. Now, he painted a picture of how Chinese EV makers are actually doing pretty good and perhaps creating a bit of a lead. So when you look at how European automakers are doing, how are they likely to catch up with the Chinese counterparts? Can they catch up? That's a great question. We're going to find out in the next 12 to 24 months. 
Just last year, Chinese automakers began to export to Europe in great numbers. For example, the MG brand, which was acquired by Shanghai Auto about 10 years ago, former British brand, iconic brand, they shipped from China over 100,000 MGs into Europe. And that really startled the European governments, Germany and France and Italy, so much so that the European Commission a few months ago launched an anti-subsidy probe. Hey, how can you guys possibly be exporting cars at such competitive prices, prices that are 25 to 30% lower than what we offer here in Europe? So there's a little bit of a sense of panic in Europe right now as these Chinese automakers offer, you know, irresistibly low-priced vehicles. What to do about this? How do we compete? And there's discussion of tariffs to buy the Europeans' time in order that the European automakers can find out how they can be more competitive. Because without it, Elon Musk last week said, without tariffs in Europe and the United States, Chinese automakers will, quote, demolish many legacy automakers. If that those words don't wake you up, nothing will. All right, sounds like a price war for the EV market. Is that what you can expect? Cheaper EVs, discounts, even subsidy war? Yeah, very possibly. You know, last year, China exported, became the number one exporter of vehicles worldwide, surpassing Japan. They shipped more than 5 million vehicles to markets in over 100 markets. The average price of a vehicle leaving China last year was a mere $20,000 average. Now compare that to the average price of a new car here in the United States, about 48000 And I think in Singapore with your certificate of entitlement, it's like, forget about it. It's not even in the same universe mm. in terms of pricing. So the Chinese are going to their playbook of high-scale, low-cost manufacturing for export as the domestic economy has been faltering. Xi Jinping and his other lieutenants have said, our playbook is exports. So they're investing in more manufacturing capacity and shipping those cars out as quickly as they can. All right, Michael, let's take a look at the demand for EVs these days. And looking at a projection from Canada's, uh, they are looking at actually a slowdown in global EV market growth to just over 27% this year due to a decrease in state subsidies. And that seems to be impacting the attractiveness of EVs for buyers. What do you make of what's happening with this picture? You know, you're exactly right on the numbers. And what's happening is we're moving beyond the honeymoon stage. And by honeymoon stage, early on for the last two, three years, we've had early adopters saying, I want to go electric. And they didn't even have to do much homework. They just liked the idea of electrics or they liked the designs. Now we're moving more into the mainstream consumer. And for those buyers, price becomes important, but even more so, how convenient is it for me to charge my vehicle? How far can I go on a single charge? How long will it take for me to recharge once it's gone down? Is my battery safe? These questions are much more pertinent to your mainstream buyers. And for them, they're pausing and thinking twice about going electric. And instead, we've seen a surge in demand for hybrid vehicles or even gasoline vehicles because the behavior and the income levels and the priorities of those you know, mainstream buyers, quite different from the early adopters who were buying electric cars like like it was going out of style in the last couple of years. Yeah, it does look like there is a lot to watch out for when it comes to how the EV space is going to play out. And it's been a great overview of how the EV space is shaping up with Michael Dunn. He is the CEO of Dunn Insights. Michael, thank you so much for your time and also your expertise this morning. Thank you so much for having me. All right, we'll catch up with you again, Michael. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.